<laughs> well, he's right. There is a lot of y'all here. And I do need the prayer. There ain't no doubt about that. Anybody that knows me knows how bad I need prayer. I appreciate that. That was a little later than I thought would come, but better late than never, right? Before I do get into this, uh, I want to say from my family, November 1st was a special anniversary for Stacy and I, as it marked two years that we have been uh, a part of this body and serving you guys as, as your youth pastor and, and serving and loving with you and, and, and doing life with you. So I want to thank you uh, from the bottom of my heart. It has been a blessing. Man, it really has to, uh, to see what God has done in this place in a couple of years. And, and thank you for loving all my family. That, that means more than you could ever possibly imagine. Uh, and I say, this, uh, I say this with much confidence that I believe what God has started here, I believe this is just the beginning. I believe he's just now allowing things to, to happen and moving things forward. And I'm very excited to see, uh, to see what he has in store for us. Uh, when given the task of bringing the message a couple of weeks ago, the you know, you start, uh, you start thinking about things and, and seeking and searching the, the direction that, uh, that God would have you to go. Uh, and I'm, I'm thankful that he's still in the business of guiding and directing us in the way that he would have us to go. Amen. Because he has confirmed to me not only this day through the services and, and the conversations I've had so far that we're in the right place today. But through this past couple of weeks, just just visiting with you guys and, and doing some counseling, one-on-one things, the, the amount of stuff, to say it the best way I can say it from up here, the amount of stuff that we're being hit with, it is just a constant barrage of stuff, you know, and we can label it whatever we want to, and there's many labels that we can label it, but he has just confirmed to me over and over again that this is exactly where we're supposed to be today. So if you would, please stand with me. Let's read. We're going to be in Psalms chapter 13, starting in verse 1. This is David writing. He says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Enlighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him, lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love you. And as Chris prayed earlier, God, I'm so thankful for who you are and for what you're doing in this place. God, I'm so thankful for your love that sent your son to hang on a cross for us, that we could have freedom and that we could have breath and we could have life. Father, I pray that we never forget what's been given to us. And not only that, Father, I pray that we never forget what's, been, what's being done for us at this very moment. Father, open our eyes today through your word. Father, speak volumes into our hearts. Show us who you are. Show us your goodness through these things. We'll be careful to give you all the praise and glory and honor that, that you're due. You're worthy of it all. Jesus, you be exalted and you be lifted high and you be made famous in this place today and you change lives. I love you and I thank you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. 
just a little history of, of uh, what's going on here in this psalm. And we can read the account. If you want to flip back a few pages and a few chapters and books before that, you can flip back to 1 Samuel chapter 23 and see exactly what's going on in the life of David right now. But David's in a bad spot. You can hear it in the words that he wrote in Psalms 13. He's in a very bad spot. In fact, he's running from his very life from the hands of Saul. David's hiding out in, in the wilderness south of Jerusalem, and Saul is chasing him every chance he gets. Saul wants to take him out. Saul's jealous of him, wants him nothing more than for David to die. So David's hiding in this spot, and this is kind of a crazy story. If you go back and read it, it, it it's really, God's just amazing at what he does. You hear me? He's just amazing at what he does and how he works all things out. So David's hiding. Saul, there's informants on both sides tipping each other off. Saul finds out where David's at, so here he goes. He takes off. He knows where he's at. He's got him pinned down. He gives all his army together, and, and he takes off. He's after David's fist to kill him. Knows where he's at. No problem. This is going to be easy. Saul takes off. Well, while Saul's en route to where David's hiding, David gets informed that Saul's on his way. So what does he do? He picks up all his stuff. He takes off. He goes farther into the wilderness, further into hiding to another place. He's, he's in this wilderness of Maon, which is a few miles from where he was beginning. Once again, Saul finds out where he's at. It's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. Saul finds out where he's at. People just like to talk. You know how people just like to talk? Saul finds out where David's at, gets his men back together. He takes off to this other spot. Guess what? David finds out again. Finally, they get kind of cornered. Saul kind of gets him where he wants him. David's on one side of the mountain. Saul's on the other side of the mountain. He's, he's ready to attack. He's got him pinned down. It's fixing to happen. David's fixing to be gone. Just like that, Saul gets word that the Philistine army has attacked his kingdom. So what does he do? He takes off to go fight the Philistines. Well, David's free now. He just was given the opportunity to escape. It's just an absolutely crazy cat and mouse game, but as we look at it through the eyes of what we have now, we can see that something was working behind the scenes. Things were being orchestrated. A higher purpose was being played out. You know, for a time, David found himself running for his very life being attacked and being pursued by all forces of darkness. And no matter where he found himself hiding, these things just never let up. It was just a constant barrage of stuff, a constant barrage of attacks. And, and this is once I said, again, this is when I said that Psalm 13 was written. So with that, all that in mind, let's read this again. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted? Four times in those verses, David says, how long? And we can hear the despair and we can hear the desperation and the impatience in his voice as he's crying out to God, wondering this whole time, how long is me, a child of yours, your child, how long are you going to keep me in this place? How long will these events in my life continue to unfold? How long am I going to be in this sadness, in this darkness? It doesn't say this in Scripture, but knowing the nature of man, and David was fully man, Knowing the nature of man, David may have even considered at this time if God's presence was still in the, if he was still around. If God's presence was there with him. Of course, David knew the truths and the promises that he had been given by God. He knew these things. In fact, in 1 Samuel 23, 17, Jonathan, who was Saul's son, even affirmed in David these things. He says, do not fear. This is Jonathan talking to David. Do not fear for the hand of Saul, my father, he shall not find you. Shall not find you. Then he goes on to say, even my father Saul knows that. In spite of these promises, David was so focused on himself, and he was so focused on his circumstances that the things that he knew were true, 
The things that he knew were true were drowned out by the lies and the, and the deceit and he being caught up in feelings and emotions. There's two words that we use to describe who God is and who God was for David. The first one's omniscient. I know. I had to practice it myself because I said it over and over to myself because I didn't want to stand up here and mispronounce a word like omniscient because it is an amazing word. Omniscient in its simplest forms means all-knowing. Okay? It means all-knowing. The second word that we use many times to describe who God is is sovereign. Sovereign means supreme, absolute, and this is my favorite definition of what sovereign is. It means boundless. It cannot be contained. It is bigger than we can ever possibly imagine. It does not have boundaries. It is absolutely boundless. And for David, these two characteristics meant that even in the darkness that David found himself struggling in, that God knew exactly what was going on in his life. He knew exactly what was happening. And not only did God know what was happening in David's life, but he was in supreme, absolute authority over the storm that David had found himself in. You see, before creation was even spoken to existence, David has set forth a plan, or God has set forth a plan for David. David was going to be king. David was going to defeat Goliath. David was going to do these things. In fact, David's lineage was going to produce the Savior. So if Saul would have been successful in his attempt to take David out, Jesus would have never been on the picture. And we know that Jesus was going to be on the picture. That's what everything, that's what all this is about was Jesus. So we know that David had nothing to worry about at the hand of Saul. David, as a child of God, not one time, not one time had he ever been left, forsaken. Not one time had God ever turned his back on him. Not one time had God ever relinquished control over the things that were going on in David's life. Not one time. He was never in jeopardy. David was never in jeopardy. In fact, God was not surprised at all by the things going on in David's life because if God had woke up that morning and looked down at David and was like, hmm, well, I didn't see that coming. He would not be omniscient, and he would not be sovereign. God is omniscient, and God is sovereign. So he knew exactly the whole time what was going on in David's life, and God's glory was going to shine in this. But it was only when David got to end of himself, it was only when David opened his eyes to the surety of this sovereignty that our God is, this omniscience that our God is, when David saw who he was, when his eyes were opened to the promises that God had given him, that's when things really started clicking. That's when David started realizing, you know what, there's something else going on here behind the scenes that I didn't notice before. David reached that point, and he saw the hand of God as the one delivering him, and hope and strength filled him. And his whole demeanor changed. His whole perspective, his whole outlook on what was going on in his life changed. Then he wrote verses 5 and 6, and he says this, But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. He was still hiding. He was still in the same circumstance that he was in before. He was, he was still running for his life from Saul. But peace and hope found only in God. That peace and hope that we talk about that surpasses all understanding filled him when he opened his eyes to the fact that right there in the middle of his crazy darkness, the stuff that he was in, right there in the middle of that, God was with him. Never once leaving him or forsaking him. 
So what all is that? What does what does all this have to do with us today? You know, we have the luxury today of having the completed word of God, and we know just exactly what happened between David and Saul. We know what transpired after these things, and we could look at this account, and we and this is how my mind works. I, I read this stuff, and I'm thinking, David, dude, God's given you these things. Look up. Look at what he's doing in your life. Look at what's going on around you. You know his promises are true. You know that he's going to fulfill his plan for your life, no matter what you're seeing and what you're going through. You know, Stacy and I have been married for a little over 20 years now. April will be 21. And, uh, man, I thank God every day for my wife. I do. She is absolutely amazing. She's an amazing partner of life. She's an amazing mother. She's a great wife. I don't deserve her. I thank God for her. But, you know, our relationship has not always been what it is now. I can happily say now and thankfully say now that our relationship is better than it's ever been, but that's not always been the case. RJ, will you put these pictures up here? Don't laugh. <laughs> these pictures are, are just of our, some of our wedding pictures and, and uh, some random pictures that I pulled, just life events from our families and lots of smiles and happiness, lots of, lots of good times. And this is a side note. I gripe every time there's pictures taken. I don't know about you guys. I cannot stand to take pictures. But I'm glad that I do. Because as I was looking back through these pictures on my computer, it's been years since I've looked at my family pictures. Years. I could just remember all, all those memories started flooding back. So go back and look at your pictures. It's pretty cool to see. But these pictures show lots of good times. Lots of smiles and happiness, like I said earlier. But what these pictures don't show are all the uncertainties. What these pictures don't show are all the difficulties. What these pictures don't show are all the dark places that we found ourselves in as a family. What these pictures don't show were the many times that we were being attacked from outside forces as, as well as many times from the inside, from our own selves. What these pictures don't show are the many arguments and trials and trying to find ourselves in the midst of all these dark places that we were in. What these pictures don't show are the many times that we worried about money and that went through that financial stress or family worries, not just immediate family but extended family or death or sickness. What they don't show is the struggle that Stacy and my family had through my addictions and all the problems that brought, that, that, that brought along with it. What these pictures don't show are the pressures of trying to put on a mask when we're out in public and out around our friends and out around everybody else, trying to act like we had it all figured out. That's a pressure. That's hard to do. We were trying to do these things, trying to act like we had it all figured out, when truthfully, guys, we were just trying to survive. And what these pictures don't show are the many times, and that word many is not big enough and not broad enough for the times that we wanted to say, you know what, we're done. And we wanted to throw the towel in and give up. These pictures show the smiles of families who didn't have a clue and don't have a clue of what Jesus is doing in their life. And never did we understand his plan. Many times the cries out of Stacy's mouth and, and the center of her prayers during these times were the same things that David asked of God when he was in this wilderness area that he found himself in. Jesus, where are you at in all of this? Do you even see what we're going through. Do you even understand how hard this is? 
How long are you going to keep us here? How long are you going to be quiet and not hear our prayers? She was asking the same thing that David was asking of God. We all have these places, and we know where they're at, and we know what they're about. And as a matter of fact, I think many of us may be there right now. And believe me when I say this, I'm not insensitive to the situations you find yourself in, nor do I understand them all. And anybody that says they do, they can understand and they can relate to where you're at in your life, they're lying to you. Because unless you're walking in those shoes, you don't know. You hear me? You don't know. I understand these things, and I'm, in, I'm not being insensitive to them. These things that we face, they're hard to explain. Many times they are hard to explain, and they're even harder to walk through. But I believe this. That when we find ourselves in these, un, in these places we don't understand and we're questioning the, how, the whys and the hows of life, it begins to totally consume us. And it robs us from the abundant joy and the freedom that the blood of Jesus has given us. Amen. And like David, we try hiding and we, we want to hide and we want to run from these relentless pursuits and these attacks thinking that the better we hide, the more we run, the faster we get away, then that's where we're going to find our rest. That's where the noises are going to get quiet, and that's where maybe, man, just maybe, when I get to that place, that's where I'm going to find Jesus. Let me get to that place, and that's where Jesus will meet me. But as me and Stacy found out in our family, and I'm sure that you know the answer to this as well, we tend to find out that the harder we try to fix our circumstances by running from them or hiding or doing all these things that we do, that the darkness gets darker, that the lies get louder, and that the truth is no longer a part of what we're seeing. Our minds and our hearts begin to condemn us. And many times that the situations that we were in, they become hopeless. And then we start asking these same questions that David asked in Psalm chapter 13. God, where are you at? Do you not see what your child is going through right now? How long are you going to be quiet? And have you even forgotten about me? We're waving our arms at him, trying to get his attention, just wanting some kind of relief. There's two words that we use to describe who God is, who Jesus is to us. It's omniscient, and it is sovereign. And guys, guess what? Just as he was in David's day, Jesus is just as omniscient, and he is completely sovereign in our lives right now. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly where we are. And he is in supreme and absolute control over the events that we see as crazy and hopeless. He's not at all surprised. He's not at all surprised by the places we find ourselves. And as a matter of fact, as hard as this is to understand and to believe, he's working behind the scenes. He's working behind the scenes for our good. And for his glory. I know that's hard for us to see sometimes. It's so hard to understand. Proverbs chapter 2, verses 7 and 8 says this. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the paths of justice and he preserves the way of his saints. 1 John 3 and 24. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And he knows all things. And just as David writes... In Psalm 13, 5 and 6, it still holds true today. I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. I use part of our family's testimony 
Not to say that all situations that you face will work out the same way ours have, because they won't. Nor to say that we still don't suffer from troubles. I'm just trying to reinforce the point and hammer this home that not one time through all the difficulties our family has faced has Jesus left our side or surrendered control over our lives. Not one time did he turn his face from us in the darkness that we were in. Not one time did he quit pursuing his children. Even though we couldn't see him there in the middle and our cries grew louder for him to deliver us from these things, he was at that time working his plan for his glory to shine. And once again, for our good. He was orchestrating this all because of his sovereignty and all because of his omniscience. Why he chooses the ways he does, I don't know. I don't know why he chooses to work the way he does. I don't understand it all, all the times, but I know this. If we wouldn't have went through those hard times, we wouldn't see him for who he is now. We wouldn't see his goodness shining now. <clears throat> By no means are we perfect. Anybody that knows us, knows me, knows that. By no means are we free from trials and pressures. And I know there's many more things to come, many more trials and times to come. I mean, Stacy screws up all the time, dude. <laughs> it's ridiculous. She's not here, so I can say that. <clears throat> I love her. But in all these things, all this stuff, all these places, we know now that he's faithful. Because he has shown us time and time again he is faithful. Today the truth is for those of us in Jesus through his gospel and, and through the effect that that has on our lives, we have been given promises, guys. Just as David received promises from God, we have received promises that hold true today just as they did 2,000 years ago when our Lord was nailed to a cross. We have the promise of salvation, first and foremost. That by placing our faith and trust and hope in our risen Savior, we are sealed. And I love that illustration Jason uses of the jar. We are sealed, not only for the temporal, not only for the things that are going on right now, but for an eternity. We can't even fathom that eternity, but we are sealed for an eternity. And guys, we are fully engulfed in him and by him. We've been given the promise of holiness if you want a word that will blow your mind, go look up that word holy and understand what it means to us through Jesus. It will absolutely blow your mind. But we've been given that promise through the blood of Christ. We've been given the promise of severe and unending love, all made possible by Jesus. We've been given mercy, grace, the promise of an advocate, the one sitting at the right hand of the Father right now saying, you know what, that was mine. I paid for that one. That's mine. That's what he does for us at this moment. We've been given the promise of strength, and I know in the hard times, man, that is so hard to muster up, but we've been given that strength because Holy Spirit dwells inside of each and every one of us permanently, not temporarily, but permanently, and he is sure. He is sure, and he is strong. And yes, the promise that he is right there, right there in the middle of our mess, no matter what it may be, right there in the middle of it, walking step in step with us many times, many times carrying us because we can't walk on our own. Guys, we have been dealt with bountifully. I love that word. We have been dealt with bountifully and are being dealt with bountifully, and we can trust in the promises that have been given to us through the blood of Jesus and through his gospel. We have to remind ourselves daily as we hear this every Sunday, and we need to hear it every day, 
We need to remind ourselves daily of just what his gospel means to us and what his power holds for our life and that it is just alive today as it was when it was given so many years ago. Guys, he knows. You hear me? He knows. Not only does he know, he is in complete, supreme, boundless authority. And we can trust in that. I want to close here, and I think this sums it up better than any words I could ever say. And it's out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, <clears throat> verse 7 through 12. It says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellence of the power of God, may, excuse me, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are forsaken, but not struck down. <clears throat> We're not destroyed. <laughs> Always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that, and that Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh, so then death is not working in us, but life in you. We can trust in, and we can rejoice in the gospel of Jesus Amen. and the promises that Jesus has given us through that very thing. Let's pray. Jesus, for your promises, I thank you. Father, For if not for that, what hope would we even have? I thank you that you're faithful. Even when we are so faithless because you cannot deny yourself. And I thank you that you're right there in the middle of life with us. Walking step in step, hand in hand, carrying us when we can't carry ourselves. Jesus, I pray that you open all our eyes to your sovereignty. Help us to understand exactly what that means in our life. I pray that you open our hearts to your omniscience, knowing, God, that you're right there, knowing the whole time what we're feeling, what we're going through, the things that we're facing. Father, give us a surety and a security and a trust in you. Father, I don't know where we find ourselves at. I don't know the things that each of us are facing. But I know that life has a way of delivering the unexpected. So, Father, whatever that may be, I pray that you just minister in a powerful way this morning. Once again, affirming in us who you are. Opening our eyes to your goodness and to your power. Knowing that you are able. Your word tells us that nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible through Jesus. Holy Spirit, come. Come and love on people. <clears throat> come and encourage. Come and strengthen. Father, you receive all glory. Father, you receive all honor and praise. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You know, there's a song by, <clears throat> excuse me.